An Eye for an Eye podcast contains subject matters that many may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. So yeah, I mean, I'm driving going like 40 and, you know, I hear this and I think, Jesus, what the, what did I just run over? And then, you know, I realized it's coming from the trunk. And so I pulled over to this wooded, are we recording? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Good. (laughs) Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Eye for an Eye. What your house, Matt and Lisa. What up, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back. Matt hasn't been here for a little while. It's been well, a minute. He's on hiatus. I didn't go on any fucking vacations, <laughs> though, Lisa. I did. I went away for a little while. Lisa went to Coachella and went to Hangout Fest, went to Ocean City, Maryland. I, I went to the post office. <laughs> I have been be bopping around. I am not going to apologize for it because normally I'm really lame. And this summer I just happened to say... To hell with it. Going on all the vacations. Um, so we're here with a new episode, and we're super excited to bring this one to you. I think it's really important um, that we get this case out there, and we'll go into specifics why in a minute. The focus of this case is a broad circumference of what we could highlight as a huge problem in our society today still. Absolutely. And we're going to hopefully pull out more. It, it's We'll go over why it's difficult to do why the world makes it difficult to find information on these cases. Um, so we're going to try to do as many as we can that fall under the same kind of category specifically for the reason right. um, that we're going to mention in the show. But, yeah. So real quick, we want to shout out our patrons. Our patrons. Patron. Our patron. Patrons? Patrons? Yeah. Patrons? Yeah, whatever. Our patron, tequila. They drunk on margaritas Woo! and they supporting our podcast and loving us up a little bit and making me really happy every time I get a little email. And I love you guys so much. <laughs> All right, so I want to shout out our you patrons. Okay. <laughs> no, okay. tired. Um, we love you guys so much. We re- you, you don't understand how exciting it is every time I get an email regarding someone making a pledge, believing in our show, believing in Matt and I. Mm-hmm. Um, it means more than you will ever know. Like we said a long time ago, even like a dollar, a couple cents goes such a long way for us, um, especially being newer to the podcast game. Um, so everything is everything that you guys do. We appreciate more than anything. Um, and like I said, I'm going to be sending out little gift bags for our patrons at the $5 mark and up who I will name here in a second. And then of course, I'm going to continue sending out little goodie bags and stuff for the people at the other levels as well. We love y'all. We love you guys. Thank you so much. So we want to shout out Drew. Thank you so much. Mia Shea. Thank you so much. And sorry if I mispronounced your name. (laughs) And we love your soap. Smells fucking divine it's amazing unbelievable christian hannah joe roseanne swindled yeah which is our podcast friends if you haven't checked them out we love you go check them out they're so supportive of us they're the best grateful for them um stat podcast is up there as well we are so happy that we are friends with you and your show is amazing if you want an ear ear Uh. ER nurse's take on cases and um her little tidbits that she calls Suture Rooms, you gotta go check it out. It's an amazing show. Um, we love you guys. Thanks for the support. Love you guys. Then we got Matt. Matt, we love you, man. Appreciate your help. Strictly Homicide Podcast. You guys are wonderful as well. We're big fans of yours, and we're so thankful for your support of our show. Absolutely. And Kate, of course, doing it, holding it down for us. Ignorance Was Bliss Podcast. We love her show as well. We just have such a good pod fam, Matt. We do. Like, We've got a great family. Such going a good now. fam of support. They the network us is with real. open arms. It's pretty amazing. We have <laughs> We have, of course, our friends at Whining About Crime. We also love the show. theme. Yes, obviously. One we time Matt and I got wine drunk. 
We got two drunk. <laughs> we did Oscar Pistorius' episode, and I woke up the next day thinking we didn't talk about whether or not the punishment but the crime. <laughs> so go check it out. Because we did. Is that episode... Officer. What are you saying? Is that episode 15? I want to say it's Good 14. I want to say it's, it's Valentine's 14. Day, right? Yeah, so it would make sense. Jamie with Murderish. Obviously, we're obsessed with her show, so thank you so much, Jamie, for your support. Of course, Kara, who has been our co-host on several occasions and is always holding it down for us. And then Lee. Thank Lee. you guys for your support. We love you. Sorry it's taken us a long time to shout you guys out. Um, it's really nothing against you guys. It's just we suck at doing things the way we're supposed to. And we're like, Also, check out our Instagram story. You're all up on there because yep. we're so excited. You're both posted onto our Instagram and in our Instagram highlights because we just want to show our appreciation for you everywhere we possibly can. So thank you guys for your continued support. We will try our hardest not to let you down. We will do our best. Also, continue to rate, review, subscribe. Um, that means the world to us, especially when the reviews are constructive. <laughs> um, sometimes they're not as constructive, but we'll accept them. Um, thank you for your feedback. I know I swear a lot on the show. wanted to shout that one out. Um, I am trying to stop. I do sometimes. I am sometimes able to control myself. Sometimes I'm not. But I'm going to try harder for you, my friend. I'm totally fucked. Sorry. (laughs) Matt's not going to try, but Lisa is definitely going to try to tone that down a bit. Okay. All right. So let's get into today's case, Matt. Like we said, um, this one is under a huge umbrella that we're going to talk about at the very end. Yeah, but it has its own individual... Some of the things about this case in particular, the details of it, give you a little bit more insight into the over umbrella yeah. I guess you would say. You know what I mean? The yeah. depth it goes. And we are going to have a trigger warning in here for a couple things. Uh, obviously, anybody, violent rape, sexual assault, if you have anything that might be a trigger for that, we are going to discuss those topics in this case. So now would be the time. Kutumela strangled his 18-year-old model girlfriend, Zaneli Kumalo, three years ago at her parents' Khasfontein home. Although he has denied any part in the crime, the judge found that all circumstantial evidence pointed to him being the killer. It's also emerged that Kutumela was abusive, controlling and jealous of his girlfriend, and often threatened and assaulted her in public. Vumanim Kize, Eyewitness News, Pretoria. But we're going to dive right in. So this is the case of Zanele Kumalo. Zanele was an up-and-coming model in South Africa, actually. She was dating 28-year-old Thado Kudumela, whom she met in 2010. By all accounts, uh, their relationship was somewhat of a rocky one. Zanele's friends and family said that their teenage relationship, they really didn't want to have that continue beyond that because Kudumela had assaulted her and was controlling. And this is a huge thing to shout out. If you're in a relationship and yeah. your family and friends are telling you, get out, please, like, this is not a good relationship... Honestly, listen to them. Yeah, trust the people that know you the it's best. It's so hard when you're in it because you don't want to believe it or you don't want to admit to it or right. you know you feel ashamed, but there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed about. You're worth way more than that. And if anyone ever speaks down to you, tries to control you, assaults you, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't have to be physical, but of course if it's physical. I also want to say I had a recent encounter with somebody and it was it was a pretty intimate conversation, but it... Um, the general oversight of it was that, you know, it's so easy for someone from the outside to say, you know, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you get away? Why? And we've discussed this a little bit before, but actually it was brought up to me as a result of that and saying, you know, 
at the time when you really love somebody and even if they make a terrible mistake, like they were to hit you or they were to steal from you or they were to do something, just you, you want to believe like, I love that person. I can bring them back and I can make my life and their lives better. But you know, I mean, at the same time, you know, I've, I've personally never been in an abusive relationship like I that. Have. You have. And, and I have we told you, me. yeah, a lot of people told you it wasn't, it wasn't a healthy relationship, but you know, it's, it's Your very hard. Not. I think hindsight's twenty twenty. of course, like of Matt course, said, it's yeah. like looking back on it, I'm like, why did I stay in this relationship? Um, you know, I spent more time defending our relationship and him than I did enjoying, in, enjoying being the in relationship. It. Yeah. Um, and I'd always say, which is true in my specific situation, he was verbally abusive, never physically abusive, mm-hmm. and he would never say things to my face. It was always via social media or text. And so that's how I justified it. I said, you know, oh, he's never said any of this to my face. He's never hurt me, like, physically. So I didn't think about it as abuse, but it was absolutely abusive. He was calling me horrible names, accusing me of things, trying to control who I hung out with, when I hung out with them, trying to control my friends. Um and their interactions with me and so like Matt said it is really hard to see from an outsider's perspective what's happening to you and I remember I had to meet with our guidance counselor because my best friend was so concerned about my relationship um and how it was progressing or degressing I guess if you'd want to say it that way um but it is so important and surrounding yourself with you know loving honest people is so important but you know if, if you feel like you're stuck or lost in a situation or you're not seeing it, definitely listen to your friends and family. Not, I'm not saying it's easy to get out, but definitely take what they're saying into heart. Don't just... Acknowledge don't it just, as something that is meant to help you. Yeah, yeah, out of love. Because I was definitely resentful of my friends. I was like, oh, no, like they're just jealous or they don't want me to be happy or blah, 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 blah. Or they're just being, like they're just blowing things out of proportion where hindsight, I'm like, well, like, I had to call my best friend and be like, yo, you were right. Mm-hmm. Like, you were you have, right. You have to at least come to terms with it a little bit that it's hard to see at that time, but it's very real. Absolutely. So, well, with Zanella, they said that she saw Kutamela as a psychopath. And that's what that was from one of her friends who at times abused her. So... That even goes to show you she had this thought about him sometimes but still did not feel necessary to get out of the relationship. A female friend told a social worker that she and Zanella were once at a swimming pool when Kutamela phoned. She has Her friend has a deep voice. Uh, she answered the phone and Kutamela thought that she was a man. Uh, so he arrived shortly after dragging Zanella out of the pool and assaulting her right there in front of everybody. On another occasion, he grabbed her cell phone out of her hands to get the number of a previous guy she'd been with, took her phone with him, and brought it back the next day. That's insane. I mean, like, come on, man. Yeah, let me make this so it doesn't dim, so it doesn't, like, go off. I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's just so, and it's, it's hard because it's like, even when you're in an abusive relationship and you're trying to get out, that's the hardest time to leave. Right. That. And so, like, even people who want to get out can't because they're scared for their lives. And it feels at times like we all from the outside may want to say, like, you know, that's a trigger. That's a sign. That's this, that's that. And it is, obviously. But same time, you know, if you're the person who's being reacted upon, 
you might instead of saying I'll take the action to do that, you might say, well, how can I change myself to make that not happen again? Yeah, it's it's very it's something definitely. That and that, that was just also in my in the conversation I had recently with a friend of mine who I really I'm not going to say any names, but it was an enlightening conversation for me. I'll say that. Absolutely. Um, so a little bit further into this case acting judge johan kruger said that the couple had a turbulent relationship which included kumala suffering a wound on the back of her head and her father barring kutamela from their house after he apparently assaulted her and again took her cell phone uh zanelli told her father at that point that kutamela had assaulted her and tried to strangle her so her father whose name was themba kumala confronts Kutamala and tells him never to come to their home again. He's barred from their home. Um, so friends later told the social worker who first inherited this case how Kutamala controlled Zanelle and that she had to get permission before she could visit friends. That she was basically telling him her every move and getting approval from him. I mean, you know. That's, that's, yeah, that's just, I don't know how people could get such a grip on someone, but hey, um, she also converted and became Muslim in line with what he asked her to do. Um, Zanelli's parents described her before this as somebody with a love, uh, you know, and not really too adherent to anybody, you know, independent spirit, bright future, um, a loving friend, a loving, loving friend and daughter had had nothing but you know a, a, a no bleak outlook ahead of her at the time. Um, she was actually at the time taking a gap year, trying to follow a career as a flight attendant and model. I love it, you know. Experience yeah. travel a little bit, so that kind of tells me even you know she had the independent spirit and wanted to be out there and experience things, experience the world. Which makes this case that more yeah it's horrific even, because it's. This bright candle was put out by such a horrible, deplorable human being um, who wanted nothing more than to to dull her shine. Um, and like you said, she wanted to be a flight attendant, so she wanted to get out and travel. She wanted to be a model. She wanted to see the world. She was she had such a future ahead of her, and for that to be taken away so harshly and so horribly because some guy wanted, you know, what it like what is like I don't. I just fucking hate people. Like, who could do that? You know what I mean? It's like, what do you gain from this? Control, that's it. Power, is that is that what you think? I really think it is just that sense of being in control, in control of someone else, you know? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, like Matt said at the beginning of the show, um, we do want to point out a trigger here, a trigger warning. Um, we're going to be mentioning violent sexual assault, uh, rape. It gets coming graphic here, here. In, a, in a second. So, on the morning of April 21st, 2011, Tharu Kamale showed up in somewhat of a disguise at Zanelli's parents' home, where she had been living since they broke up, because... Um, two months prior, she did put her foot down, say, enough is enough. I'm done with you. 
you're being wild, you're being controlling, I want nothing to do with it. So she did, and, and they do say, when you break up with your abuser or leave your abuser is the time that is the um, most fatal. Right. That's the, that's the time, that's the most sensitive time. That's- but Kutumela, it, it was two months later. That's what I've kind of like... Well, I don't think they're. I don't think it's. I think it's like the like the year. I don't know. We'd have to look at the statistics. Yeah, I wonder sure what that like, is within a time frame of how yeah, much that. Changes. But I know it's right when you break up with someone. That's when the clock starts ticking for extreme violence and extreme. You know, because right when they feel they're losing control is when they start to really go bananas. Right. Um. So Zanali was eighteen, and she was five months five months pregnant when Thedo attacked her viciously. He raped the mother-to-be and then strangled her. He covered her naked body with a blanket, stole her pajamas, dressing gown, and underwear, and left her body covered with a blanket on her bed. He put on his uniform for where he worked, which was Woolworths um, in South Africa, and he went back to work. Now her father, Themba, uh, told the Pretoria High Court that he had arrived home with his wife at about 5 p.m. that same day. And remember, we said that she was living at home with her parents um, in the two months after she broke up with uh, Thedo. And he testified that we buzz, and he said, and I quote, we buzzed her at the main gate of our complex, but she did not open for us. I opened the gate with my remote. We knocked at the house, but there was no response. I opened with my own key. When I had entered the house, there was no one around. We thought the children had gone to the shops. They decided to check, you know, the bedrooms of their kids, and they went into Zanali's room, and they looked at the bed, and they thought they saw Zanali sleeping, sprawled on her stomach and covered with a blanket. Now, he admits, her dad admits, instantly becoming kind of angry because he was, he is mad, and he said, quote, I became angry because we had been knocking without response. I shouted at her asking, what if we were criminals? End quote. So he was initially upset. He was like, why aren't you answering the door? You know, we just walked in and you're not even getting out of bed. Then he, her mother pulled the blanket from, um, from Zanali's face. And her dad said, and I quote, I joined in and opened one of her eyes and I realized there was no life. I checked her breath, but she was not breathing. My wife ran out while I stood there in disbelief. End quote. He said his wife returned with neighbors who suggested they take Zanali to a hospital. He said, they realized when we carried her out that she was heavier than normal. It dawned on me that she was no longer alive. After attending her to the emergency room, a doctor ushered me into his office. He said my daughter had been dead for about three hours, end quote. Themba said, is it Themba or Themba? Themba. Themba said that uh, her mom called to ask, oh, Themba said, um, Kutamela's mom called to ask where Zanelli was, which was kind of like, what? Um, he said, quote, I told her she was no more. She asked me if Fado had shot her. I told her I did not know, but people had seen him with my daughter earlier. She said she found it strange that though her son worked at Woolworths, he had returned home that day with a, bad, a bag of blood-stained clothes. He explained to her that he had become ill at work and started vomiting blood, but I felt there was something... I. But I felt she was protecting her child and ended the conversation, end quote. So his mom, Thedo's mom, actually reached out to Zanali's family and said, hey, is is your daughter around? And when he said no, um, she's just passed away, um, 
his mom was basically like, did he shoot her? Did he kill her? That wow. tells you something because if you're a mom and you see your son come home with bloody clothing and your first thought is not, are you injured? It's, did you kill your girlfriend? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That tells you something right there. Um, and that just, it just gives you the willies. It's just more than the willies. You know what I mean? Bone it's just, it's, can you imagine seeing your kid come home and immediately thinking they killed their girlfriend? No. That, that tells you that there was a rage that everybody felt and saw in this man. Well, he, he also had a terrible excuse, but I mean, at the same time, his mother. Right? Like if you, if that's the first thing that comes to mind, where were you last couple months? Right. But I mean, how much can you control really? Like how much would your mom be able to control what you do oh, right He's now? been described as a psychopath too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you right now, not very much. So, yeah. I mean, and I'm exactly. certainly not that psychopathic. So this part is important, and this is where we're kind of going to get into the big umbrella of this case and why we thought it was very important to cover this case Mm -hmm. um, that many of you probably don't know. Um, This case, Matt, actually took place, the trial for this case, took place next door to where Oscar Pistorius' trial was being heard. Same courtroom in South Africa. Same time frame. Same time frame. And Zanelli was also a model. Mm Mm-hmm. A public figure. Not necessarily the Blade Runner, but a public figure, no less. Yeah, and Reva was a model, so that's the comparison there. But we'll get into that a little bit later, but let's talk about the trial really quick first. Yes, we will. So, Kutumela never testified, maintaining his innocence throughout and saying that he'd had nothing to do with Zanelli's murder. Judge Johan Kruger found all fingers pointed to Kutumela as being the killer, and the neighbors had testified they'd even seen him at the house on the same day. Uh, So... You know, couldn't really have been too much left for reasonable doubt there if people saw him there. They had exchanged several long phone calls in the early hours of the morning before her death, and she thereafter refused to answer three more calls from him, Zanelli from Kutumela. Uh, so it was clear evidence that he went to her house to quote unquote finish unfinished business and that she had refused to open the gate for him that morning. Judge Kruger said that Kutumela had not been invited to the house that morning, but had clearly planned his trip as though he was going to go in uh, and phoning a colleague even at work to tell him that he would be late. So even though she did not say, hey, come over, let's talk this out, he clearly made up his mind he was going to go over there no matter what. So that's called premeditation right there. He knew he was going there. He made the phone call. He knew he was going to be late. He wasn't going to say, hey, can we have a cup of coffee and talk things out, you know? So that's worthy of note, I think, definitely. He even had tried to cover his tracks by wearing a blue work suit similar to those worn by workers at the complex and falsifying the time of his arrival at work no less than three times. So he's clearly had in mind that he, A, knows how to get into the complex she lives in, which I don't know if many people know, but South Africa neighborhoods... And a lot very, of very, very protected. Yes. Well, they're very crime. secluded. Yeah. High crime and they're walled in a lot of them. And, you know, these complexes with anybody who has money, they do a really good job in um, very secure. different districts. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're very secure. He took the steps to get past that security to get a workman's uniform. So he knew he was doing something here. I mean, this was clearly premeditated. Clearly, he had thought this out. Um, no intention, you know, no intention of 
backing out, it seemed like, you know, unless he it got what he like wanted. this was planned to the T. Maybe hastily, maybe he, like, kind of thought this out, like, the day or two before, but it was planned nonetheless. Still, yeah, I don't I don't see anything on here that's indicating that he, you know, did this rashly or out of, It you know, was definitely one of those things where he had an end goal and he just put things together to yes, get that end goal. Yes, to get to the end goal, exactly. Means to an end. Um, so he erased all signs of telephone conversation from his cell phone, later claiming he hadn't even been there and hadn't spoken to her. stupid, though. This was in 2011. Like, even I knew back then that my cell phone shit could be traced. Like, I knew back then that my parents could pull up all of my text message conversations from my whole fucking life. Right. Are people that stupid? I don't know. I mean, I wonder about that, too. Like, if you're having FBI... CIA, NSA, even the local police department now, they can put a tap on anyone's phone. Pull up your LUDs from the last 10 years. Like, the only fucking way you could ever get away with something. Now, this is in America, phone, obviously. Use a cup phone with one of those fucking... That, that right. can't be traced. That can't be traced, yeah. But basically, anything that's wired in for sound, you are getting heard if you want to be heard. Yeah, if someone wants um, to find out what you're talking about, they're going to The find technology out. exists, basically. Yeah. So, and now this was 2011 in South Africa, but the technology exists. Um, so that's foolish. He, you know, even to the point where he entered the complex with an empty backpack, but when he left, the backpack was bulging full of something. Who knows? Judge Kruger found that no other person than Kutumela had been at Zanelli Kumala's house that day and that the only reasonable inference was that he had killed her, taking her nightclothes with him in that bag and showing signs that he had raped her because he didn't want to leave behind the bloody clothes. Yeah, he didn't want to leave the evidence, so clearly he brought the bag with the intention to take off whatever she was wearing so he could hide that she raped and then he murdered her. Um... And it was said that he had viciously grabbed Kumala by the throat and throttled her so that she lost consciousness and offered no resistance when he raped her. So it, I, it sounds like she was unconscious or dead by the time he um, he raped her. Now, social worker Heidi Burrow took the stand to testify on behalf of the state before Kudamala was sentenced. Um, she said that Kudamala showed no remorse for what he had done, and she recommended that he be sent to jail for a period deemed fit by the court. Now, Kudamela told Burrow that Zanali brought joy to his life and that they were definitely meant to be together. Kudamela said Zanali's father had not approved of him because he did not have a stable, a stable income. No, he didn't approve of you because you're abusive. Yep. And you're, you're, you're a mess. Um, he continued to, not, to deny that his, he killed his girlfriend and has, again, shown no remorse for his actions. And he maintains that they had consensual sex and that she was alive when he left for work. But the evidence against him was overwhelming. So he had been found guilty of stealing his former girlfriend's nightclothes and underwear to hide the fact that he had raped her before. Mm. So this is a trend. He he knows what he needs to take with him in order to hide evidence that, that might come up against him. Yep. Now, Burrow had several meetings with Kudamala, who was in custody, and she described him as throwing temper tantrums when someone disagreed with him and suffering from mood swings. Johan Kruger, which was the judge, sentenced an unconcerned-looking Thedo Kumalo or Kudumala. Thedo Kudumala. 
Theodore Kudamela to 30 years and six months imprisonment, of which he has to serve 20 years for murdering and raping Zanali and stealing her nightdress and underwear. He said although Kutamala showed no remorse, he was a first offender. No, he wasn't. Intelligent, relatively young, and had the potential to become a useful member of society. The judge said he hoped Kutamala would get the psychological help he needed while he was in prison. Well, we can only hope. So we'll talk about the eye for an eye in a second, but we wanted to point out, like we've mentioned a hundred times now, why we chose to do this episode in the first place. As we mentioned, Matt. The significance of Oscar Pistorius's trial being next door. At the same time, with virtually the same, not the same crime, but basically. It was Similar a M.O. Girlfriend. Yeah. It was a Abusive relationship. Crime. Uh, out violent outburst, but still, nonetheless, it seemed premeditated based on what we could gather. Um, but I'll I'll say one thing: I don't remember any of the news networks covering Zanelli Kamala's murder. Well, that's the thing. Even researching this case, there's three news articles on it. Yeah, um, you, you get very little. And so that brings us into talking to. So basically, if Why you haven't picked that? up, well, if you haven't picked up, um, the the substantial difference in the media coverage seems to not um, not be lost on the fact that Zunali is not white. Yeah, it plays along race lines. There's no doubt about that. And but. this brings us to a syndrome that, that um, researchers have uh, have coined as called the missing white women syndrome. Yeah, this which is a really is, interesting yeah. concept. And yeah. that's actually, it. you know, what's sad about this is the way I found this case is through researching Oscar's case. Mm-hmm. Because this this turned into a media kind of firestorm because what happened was the missing white win- woman, the missing white woman syndrome basically is a phenomenon no- noted by social scientists and media commentators of the extensive media coverage, especially in television, of missing person cases and murder cases involving young, white, upper class upper middle class women or girls. Mm-hmm. So the phenomenon is defined as the media's undue focus on upper upper middle upper middle class white women who disappear with the disproportionate degree of coverage that they receive being compared to the cases of missing men or women of color or lower social classes. No, I would I would just like to point out here, I mean, a few in recent history that I can think of. I mean, think of all the coverage. Now we've done the case of like Kaylee Anthony obviously, mm-hmm. but like Natalie Holloway obviously. I mean Yep. Um, uh, Elizabeth Smart. You know, there are a couple that come to mind immediately that I'm like, you know, that was a media frenzy. Yep. How many young kids or even young people get killed in urban neighborhoods every day? Yep. And, and I hope through this podcast that we find more of those smaller or, or, cases. Or go missing and, you know, like, or become victims mm-hmm. of sex trafficking. And we kind of just you know, hear about them as a back burner. It's like, you know, oh yeah. And when you do hear about cases of minorities, um, it's always, even if the victim was solely that, just a victim, they're always made to be the perpetrator. So a good one that, oh, not a good, none of these are good, but I hate that word for this. A prime example. A prime example of this is Brock Turner. Yes. What Very mugshot so. did they use for Brock? Yeah. They used his swimming photo. High school swimming photo. Make what him did they look say like... about him in the in the media? They said he was this star athlete and he was just a confused boy and had no idea what he was doing. Well, there were there were multiple takes on him. I know, I, I definitely got a lot of the piece of after, shit. Yeah, but like when it was initially reported, you're right. It was the first thing you saw. Then there was an outcry. Then no. there was an outcry. 
Now, when you see a black man on TV being arrested for, I was gonna say, thing, like, think about when, shot. think about when Michael Brown was shot. I mean, you know, eventually they started circulating that graduation photo of him, but the first photos I saw were of him standing next to a car with two of his boys throwing up some some sign. I'm like, yeah, you know... Trying to make him look like a thug. I'm like, that's the best you guys could do? I mean, you didn't call his mom to ask, like, you know, you have a picture of him as a kid? I remember seeing that picture and being pissed and just being like, I don't understand. Uh, now, we're not talking about the same demographic here. Like, mainly we were focusing on... Women of minorities is what is what I'm thinking about when we yeah, when we the premise of this. Everywhere. But there are examples everywhere. It's a broad focus scope. But, but I really think like women of minorities. These cases absolutely. that we just don't hear about well, a, until it's a few other cases too late. That you know, I want to cover that I have written down on our list to cover that fall under this umbrella as well. Um, that are so disproportionately covered, and it and it sucks because they're so disproportionately covered. It's so hard to dig up information on them because they're not reported on. And you know, I'm going to be honest right now. Most of my sources are from news outlets. Um, you know, other articles written by about them. For those, I hope to find maybe court case uh, documents. But it's hard to dig up information on cases that aren't widely reported because right. you don't get the information you need. Well, Carlton McElwain, a professor at NYU, actually kind of touched on that, defining what it is as, you know, missing white women syndrome as, defines the syndrome as white women perpetually occupying a privileged role as violent crime victims in news media reporting. And he concluded that missing white woman syndrome functions as a type of racial hierarchy in the cultural imagery of the West. Which I think is, I mean, a very broad, broadly painted brush to go over it with. But at the same time, it makes a lot of sense because it's noteworthy to say that, you know, news coverage of missing black women is more likely to focus on the victim's baggage oftentimes. An abusive boyfriend, a troubled past, yep. you know, covering white women. And you hear about, you know, their role as a mother and like she was in the art club and, you know, she was a cheerleader. We find that here. Is Zanella the same thing? All just harped on how abusive her boyfriend is, which right. is important. Doesn't talk about her and all her accomplishments. Her accomplishments. Yep. The articles I read were just this abusive man killed his girlfriend. And it's and almost like they, they want you to they want you to feel bad for her, but they almost want you to question her as well. Yeah. That's what I got. Yeah. And, you know, and, and question I, her judgment. How could she? Yeah, and, and I get that sense in a lot of these cases. It's like you know, people want to ask like, well. What would she think, or what, why would you put yourself in that situation, or why would you be with those people, anyways? Yep. And it's like, I'm sorry, do you have to be friends with a particular group of people to not get shot, right? Or not get stabbed? Or, I mean, honestly, because there's crazy people everywhere. If you get, if you guys haven't noticed out there, there's crazy motherfuckers everywhere. Yeah. And we mentioned the same kind of um, media bias, I would call it, uh, comes with. Um, Sex workers, sex workers as well. Yes, they're I less actually because they're thought of as less than human. So I'm really glad you said that, least because I know I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but I love Humans of New York, the Instagram oh, and Facebook account. Shout out! Shout out, Humans of New York. I'm actually going to read one of their posts from earlier this week. Um, it really gripped me a little bit, you know, because it it kind of touches on like. The obviously the focus of this case, but at the same time, it's really, you know, we don't think about this. It's International Whores Day today. It's about reclaiming the word. Whore is a hateful word. There's so much stigma in that word. It can be used against any woman that you want to hurt. It's dehumanizing, and it strips sex workers of dignity. Construction workers get paid to use their bodies. 
Factory workers get paid to use their bodies. But if you use your genitals, then suddenly you're an outcast. Sex workers are the highest risk of sexualized violence. And it's funny that in this era where everyone is calling out workplace harassment, the most vulnerable, most vulnerable group is being ignored. They're not seen as worthy of protection. Language matters. So we shouldn't be calling people whores. We should be calling them people. Wow. Wow. I love that you read that. I think that is just right there. Yeah, I will. We should repost that. I will. I think that right there is the basis of so much of what we're talking about right now is that people want to look at people as lesser or not as important. And, and, you know, that we're supposed to kind of – it's it takes a back seat if it's not of this criteria. And that's just horrible, man. I mean, you know, we hear about these things and it's almost like, oh, well – so many people's gut, guttural reaction is, you know, what do you expect? Damn. You know, and that's fucking terrible. I mean, I felt that way before about about hearing things like about people rather than pity, pity or even, you know, an offer to help. It's like, well. Yeah. I was watching something. I forget what it was. I wish I could remember. Oh, oh. So I, I watched this thing on YouTube, not to get so sidetracked, but this is also plays into this idea that there's certain groups of people that are seen as less than human. Um, I was watching this thing, and it's called The And. It's on YouTube. It's like a YouTube series. Um, let me pull up who it's by, but it's like it's an amazing – I'm so um, enthralled with human interaction and human, um, you know, the human connection. I, I'm so obsessed with that. So I watch this all the time. Hold on. Let me pull it up really quick. I'm not going to play it or anything. I promise I'll pull it up quick. Hold on. The and. Um, okay, so it's by The Skin Deep, and there it's a series called The And. Um, I highly suggest you subscribe to this YouTube series and show thing. It's nothing you have to pay for. It's just like a YouTube channel, and they post these interactions, and what they do is they have cards that are couples or sisters and brothers, like any kind of interpersonal relationship. Um, they put two humans together, you know, who have that kind of relationship, and they have them ask really deep and personal questions. And these people are so raw and honest. And one of them said, um, you know, one of the guys was asking his wife, you know, or one of the cards asked this guy to say about his wife something you love about your wife. And his response was, um, you know, her caring, you know, thoughts or mind or whatever. And then he said, you know, you said something to me once that stuck with me forever. And you said everyone was is someone's baby. Mm. Everyone is someone's baby. Mm. And, and that's so true, right? Every single person was once someone's child. Was once some, you know, it, it's still someone's child, but was once this little girl, little boy, you know, every single person. And since listening to that episode, um, I unfortunately drive past a lot of people without homes uh, on the way to work and it breaks my soul and my heart because I want to do so much to help them. And hopefully one day I will be able to give back more than I am at the moment. Um, but every time I drive past them, my heart wells a bit. And, and I think of that quote, everyone is someone's baby. Yep. Because those people have parents. Those people have, they are people. They are human beings worthy of love and respect. And we walk past them like they're moles on the ground. Like they're dirt beneath our shoes. And that's kind of how the media covers um, any any case really disproportionately covered in the media and like Matt said it's because 
so many people are viewed as less than. And I don't know how we got there as a society. Um, I mean, we've been there for years and years and years. You think back to slavery. Um, but how are we still here is more of a exactly. question. But, Matt, I am hopeful because, like we mentioned with um, the coverage of Brock Turner, now we're mentioning with the coverage of Zanali, um, we are in a generation that will stand up for these people. That say, what the fuck is, what, you know, excuse my French, but what the fuck is this? Why are you posting Brock Turner's achievements? Why are you posting his high school yearbook photo? Why are you posting, you know, why is it you're demonizing people who commit crimes that are of minority, but you're uplifting and pointing out all the accomplishments or all the how could they um, with the white people? It just doesn't make sense. Now, sociologists note that the tone of media coverage for black female victims differs markedly from the coverage of white female victims and that the former are more likely to be blamed for, for purportedly putting themselves in harm's way, either knowingly or unknowingly. So like the articles covering Zanali's case, they basically said he was abusive, he threw around, threw around, and it has that tone, the underlying tone to it, that's kind of like, why didn't she leave? Why did she stay? Blaming the victim. Right. Why would she, you know, if she was such a strong woman, how did, how did she put herself in this position? Instead of... She was a loving, caring human being, deserving of love, and this man was a psychopath. So the study, excuse me, (laughs) (laughs) a study done by the Scripps Howard News Service analyzed CNN and Associated Press news reports pertaining to child abductions from 2000 to 2004. Now, granted, that's a small sample size, but it's at least effective enough in seeing, you know, what are trends like. Because sometimes if you have too big of a sample size, it doesn't feel like it it's, accurately right. Cause how and it almost, there's too many outliers, you know? There's different reporting with everything. The study found that 162 AP stories and 43 CNN reports dramatically overrepresented white children in their representation of the case. To establish a baseline racial composition for comparison, researchers used data from the Department of Justice and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children to estimate that between 53 and 54% of missing children from that time frame were white. In contrast, 67% of the AP reports and an even higher 76% of CNN stories focused on white children. So, as a result, they're disproportionately reporting fewer stories highlighted around black and Hispanic children. Now, one thing I don't know here is how many percentage-wise of kidnappings or murders or child abductions are white versus black versus Hispanic or Latina. Um, And research has also kind of demonstrated that black suspects are more likely than their white counterparts to be presented in what authors deem quote-unquote threatening manners like mug shots or being physically restrained by police or in a video of them mm-hmm. you know like in a, you said in a, standing in by a encounter. car and i'm more like right so basically they determine that it's just an overlying theme here that oftentimes victims are represented as being not necessarily victimized right and more so be, being kind of aggravated against and looked right. at as the aggressor and, and that's and it and it sucks because like i'm, I'm happy like i said that our generation seems to smell the bullshit. However, it's at least coming the down. We people realize. that don't smell the bullshit. It's infuriating if you yeah. read the comments on those fucking news articles. It's unbelievably. And we also don't want to just you know 
the media has, I hate, this has become such a theme recently, and this is just going to be a small tidbit, but this has become such a theme recently, is let's blame the media. If we yeah. don't have somebody to blame, let's put it on the it's media. the media's fault, yeah. Yeah, it, you know, oh, well, the media does this, they overhype this, they overhype that. I just want to say, the media, listen, guys, are people getting out of bed every morning, getting up, drinking their shitty coffee, getting in their <laughs> shitty car, going to work. I mean, yeah, there's no Darth Vader overlord, George Soros, Koch brothers out there, you know, manipulating these people. These, I know motherfuckers whose job it is to get up and report sports or current events or whatever it might be. People put spin on things. That's the nature of life. When you and I read something and I go tell my boss about LeBron dropped 51, 8, and 8 the other night. I'm telling him that, yo, the dopest play of the game, though, was, <laughs> and everybody is not going to have the same opinion as me. You know, a Warriors fan looks at that and says, that was a foul. <laughs> you know, that's a very basic look at things, yeah. but I'm saying that's, that's breaking that's it down. That's a good example, though. So the media is not this dark empire out there trying to manipulate all of us to think differently and be stupid, okay? Yeah. Don't let the president fool you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? And that's not a comment against him. There's a lot of people more than just him saying that. It's a scary amount of people that say that. Yeah, it's become too many, you guys. I mean, honestly, like, we're a form of media. Are we out here trying to manipulate you? Shit. No. I'm not getting paid anything (laughs) to say what I'm saying right now. I promise you. Nobody is sending me checks. For me to be Donald, shitting on Donald if Trump. If you want to, please. Or, yeah, if you have that type of money, buy, feel free. I will send you my address. I'll open a P.O. box. Right, but seriously. I mean, I just want to say that. Yeah. And that has also become, though, part of what we're talking about here, though, that the media has an agenda, but it doesn't always meet the same criteria that we're looking for. You know what I mean? It seems there's an inherent bias. It's Exactly. Gonna, of course, like... Wherever it stems from, it's there. I mean, and you have to even think of, like, how, like um, what the fuck's it called when you have an attention-grabbing title? Clickbait. Clickbait, like, yeah. Like, even if you're watching the news, like, I was watching Dr. Phil and the commercial, because right after is the news, and a commercial came on that was like, what is in your spaghetti? Find out today at five. It's like, of course, they're going to do things that catch your attention. Right. And I mean, the, the, the first thing they say is sex scandal in the mayor's office. Tune in at five. And you're like, you know, I don't even <laughs> know. What's in your tuna fish? I'm like, who the hell's the mayor again? Like, you know, but I don't <laughs> even need to. Could your vacuum kill you? Tune yeah, in. <laughs> right. Does your dog think you're an idiot? Like, yeah, he does. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't have a dog. Right. Damn it. No, no wonder he thinks I'm an idiot. But, but it is. To note, although it doesn't seem like they are, they are trying to, like you said, it's just going to work. But there is a bias. There is a bias. Well, I mean, look, here's what we're talking about. This um, all stems from, this. with Zanelli's case, this was happening at the same time, this trial, next door, where they the were chaos. prosecuting Oscar Pistorius for killing Reva Steenkamp. The media clearly had their focus in one direction. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it takes you hours to even Google Enough information well, on Zanella Kamala to put together a reasonable Google amount. her name. Right. And, and see how many articles come up. Then Google Oscar, Google, Google, Google Oscar Pistorius and Reva Steinkamp and see how many articles come up. That's my test to you. Tell me how many articles you can find on Zanella's case and how many articles. You'll, it will be infinite amount for Oscar and Reva. But. but I really love here the chief director for social cohesion in South Africa's Department of Arts and Culture, who is named Sundile Mamela, said, What is happening here is that black people are increasingly becoming invisible. Where the hell is the outrage? Here is yet another case of a young, beautiful model who died at the hands of her intimate lover and partner. But because the couple are black, it is overlooked and dismissed as one of the things that happen in life. 
Crimes committed against black people do not grab media headlines in this country, except in the case of false celebrities. Now, hold on. Before we say one thing here, this took place in South Africa. Does that sound at all familiar to you? That last line here. Crimes committed against black people do not grab media headlines in this country, except in the case of false celebrities. I'm sitting here thinking of there were over 800 people murdered in Chicago last year, and the only one that you heard about was Dwayne Wade's sister or Chief Keefe's cousin. Am I wrong? Damn. Am I wrong? Are we thinking about that on the same level? This was in 2011 in South Africa. And this is a state... I mean, it, we're seven years on. So according to Dr. Mamela, South Africa's, South Africa's Institute of Race Relations Research says more than 2,500 women are killed by their lovers every year. Who are they? Where do they come from? And why is their story not being told? Instead, we have the media spotlight taking our time and resources to Oscars trial with prominent and expensive lawyers fighting it out in court. This is structural racism. I don't think this country is living up to its ideals of justice and equality for all. Wow. Everyone has a right to be respected and treated with dignity. As a country, we seem to have chosen to ignore the agony, pain, and suffering of the Kumala family for no other reason than that they are black. I mean, how many people get killed every year? And again, I'd like to say our main focus is young women of any minority. But it really comes, I mean, it, it's an overwhelming problem just across the board. I mean, not just women, not just one particular race or, or ethnic minority or religion, anything of that nature. I mean, and this is going on around the world, but we're focusing obviously on where we, we live. But well, we don't live in South Africa, but right. Well, I mean, critics have also cited excessive media coverage in, in America of murder yeah. trials where the defendant is female, white, young, attractive. And included among them, along with the missing white woman syndrome instances and all the encompassing narrative nicknamed the woman in jeopardy or damsel in distress genre. You know, we're talking about lumping all these people together is you it, it goes back to when we were reading these stories as kids, you know, like you want the Prince Charming to come in and save the beautiful princess. And you're like, well, that's not life. You know, she had her problems, too. You don't talk <laughs> about that, you know. This was Matt's misgivings when he was younger. What the fuck? Why do I have to be the, the one that's... <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm talking about strictly with the media. Like, they yeah, want to have these cases where, you know, they present themselves as showing, you know, oh, well, this poor disillusioned girl was, you know, raped or killed, and now we're bringing the bad guy to justice. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, in... in some in some cases they're making the victim out to be the bad guy. Yeah, and it's like well we don't know who the bad cases. guy is. You know, right. I mean like, here's here's a couple more examples here. Amanda Knox is a great one. Jody Arias is a great one. And then I touched on Casey Anthony briefly. You know where th- how often did Casey Anthony almost come off looking like you know we you almost wanted to feel bad for her. Yeah. You know the way like she's crying in court and that's what they're showing on TV. You know. That's what you see. Yeah. And the media focuses more on the accused rather than the victims. And that just kills me because it's obvious. It's, it's, it, I know a couple of news stations won't even say names of um, the accused now killers, because yeah. they realize that that is giving them what they want. A lot right. of these people are doing it for infamy, whereas you're giving these, these 
horrible people the outlet that they want that's what these people are seeing that's the end goal right and there's like fucking fan clubs for these people but it's interesting because in the missing white women syndrome they'll be more ambiguous about white women's guilt than in other criminal cases regardless of evidence so Casey Anthony was did she do it did she not do it Jodi Arias did she she was with this you know this wow this like woman you know what did she do? Amanda Knox. She was acting weird. And, you know, who gives a fuck if Amanda Knox was doing cartwheels? Well, she's, you know, there's people missing and being killed all right. over the world. And we're focused on this bitch doing cartwheels in an interrogation room. Who cares? Who cares what she did? Why are we not hearing about the victim? Why are we not hearing about her life? Why are we not hearing about little Kaylee's short life? Why are we not hearing about Travis Alexander. Why aren't we talking Travis, about him? Why aren't yeah. we talking about these people? Why are we talking about these delusioned women who who are purportedly to do these drugs? Although we must note, Amanda Knox was found not guilty. I wish she mm. tried. No, she was found not guilty. Was she found not guilty? She yeah, she was found not guilty. Yep. Um, after spending X amount of time in, and we'll cover that case because that's an interesting case to go over as well. Side note, I don't think she did it, but we'll talk about that. We'll discuss that in another episode. Oh, we gonna talk about that. But we, the other two bitches, throw them away. Even though Casey is, again, she was not accusing. I mean, she was not. She was acquitted. Bullshit. <laughs> um, but I thought this case was super, super important to go over, Matt, because what we're doing right now is what the media is lacking to do. We need to right. draw attention. Um, let me, let and me take just a so we know, We need to have the tough discussions, you guys. Granted, this is not an easy discussion to have. Lisa and I are obviously yeah. treading on thin ice, but we have to have we have the to discussion. Talk about these cases, these are real people. And right. I, I want to post something to you before we talk about Eye for an Eye for this case. Yes. Um, if you've heard about this case before today, before us talking about uh, Zanelli Kumala's case, if you have heard about this case, I want you to post a thumbs up emoji on our post about this case. If you have not heard about this case before Matt and I talked about it today, post a thumbs down. And then next to that, I'm going to implore you to do something. And it's very important, and it's going to be important to the show as well. If you post a thumbs down, you have not heard about this case. My homework for you guys, the listeners out there right now, wherever you are listening to this case, make a note. Next to that thumbs down, I want you to find one case that has not been extensively covered by the media, that has almost been ignored by the media, and I want you to send that case to us next to that next to that thumbs down. I want you to say the name of the case or a case that needs more attention, um, that has not been adequately reported in the media, that deserves that attention, that the victim deserves a voice, and I want you to comment next to that. I, w- I want to see these cases. I want to cover these cases. And if you'd like to be a guest on those cases, we'd love to have you as well. Please. But that's my homework for you. If you have not heard about this case, or even if you have, but more especially if you haven't, I want you to find another case that you've never heard of. I want you to look up a case of another, uh, you know, uh, another injustice, another life taken away too soon that, that the media seems to completely skip over. And I want to know about it. So Matt, let's get into it. Eye for an eye. So Thado Kumale. Uh, was sentenced to 30 years and six months imprisonment, of which he had to serve only 20 years for murdering and raping Zanali. Does this punishment fit the crime? Now, keep in mind, I don't know if this sways any of your decision. She was technically pregnant. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind that South African law is as follows. Quote, maximum, ma- oh my God. Quote, maximum of life in prison, minimum of 25 years if a firearm is used, otherwise a minimum 
of 10 years under sentencing guidelines for a person with a clean record. So technically, Thedo got more time than the minimum that he would have had to serve because he technically did have a clean record. So to keep that in mind when sentencing him, in South Africa, there's a maximum of life imprisonment, of course, minimum of 25 years if a firearm was used, which it was not in this case. Otherwise, it is a minimum of 10 years that needs to be served under the sentencing guideline for a person with a clean record. Now, Thedo got 30. He has to serve at least 20 before he'll be up for parole. What are your thoughts, Matt? Does the punishment fit the crime? Well, uh... He's 28. <clears throat> Or was 28 at the time of this. So he'd be, what, 58? He'd be 58 if he served his full. If he, he, he's eligible for parole at age 48. How often do you think people serve their full sentence? Less so than we think. More more, more people now are getting early Do you know what happens parole. when they hit 30? If they, if they like actually get... If he like was in jail until he was 58, would he get out like on, his, on the 58th? At the 30th anniversary of the crime, does it immediately happen, or are you up for review? You're up for parole, I believe. I don't think it's, like, to the date. They just, uh, they give you a parole date, and then they have a hearing, and then they review it, and it's... And if you've been, like, a good prisoner, I guess. Yeah, there's a few things they consider before that. Um, But, so I will say this. He was a very young man, 28. He's a little older than me. Uh, I know if I were to be sentenced to life in prison from here on out, I would be devastated. Um, but at the same time, if I had raped and murdered someone, I would think that I would be spending the rest of my life in prison, especially someone who was in, pregnant with an unborn child. I should think that is regardless of what, you know, and their whole distinction of a firearm being involved, that's all well and good, but who cares? If anything, it's more personal to strangle somebody to death. I think he should have been sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. I don't believe that anybody who commits felony murder, even if you are young and stupid, should have the opportunity to be rehabilitated or even talked about any further. I mean, I'm sorry, but rape, murder, too much. So I don't believe an eye for an eye was met here. I think the fact that this guy even has the chance to walk around again someday, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be comfortable, put it that way. I agree. I So the way I think of these kind of cases is I don't know how much of an abusive personality can be therapied away. Right. I made that a new verb. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can he be had talked such away. such an extensive background and history with abuse, although he was never tried and convicted for everything. That does not mean that it wasn't happening. Um, who knows if Zanali called the police or if anyone called the police when he would abuse her or hit her or whatever. Um, so I don't think it's fair to say he has a clean record. He does not. Um, and he has history of stealing, like raping pest girlfriends without being tried and convicted for it, of course. Um, but it was reported. So, of course, we it's alleged. But um, I, I think that's something that needs to be taken into consideration. Um, an abusive personality, a controlling personality... I'm not too sure. I, I feel like that's somewhat inherent. You know what I mean? I feel like that would take a lot of therapy and given a lot of tools to fix. And I, I don't know how the South African prison system works. However, I don't think there's that much therapy that goes on behind prison doors. Am I wrong? Do you, like here, do, do prisoners get regular therapy sessions? Uh, well, it's depending on, I believe it's based more on your, um, the conditions of your, mm-hmm. you know, your sentencing, true. right. Um, 
But no, I don't think... I, I agree with Matt, and I've said this before on the show. If you choose to kill someone and it's not in self-defense, if you've made that choice, that conscious just, just choice, he wasn't he wasn't deemed insane, um, if you've made that concert, conscious effort, and with his case, he planned it out pretty much. It, it showed that he was... Pack, you know, made sure to clear a bag, made sure to dress up like a security guard to go into her building. Um, when you make that conscious effort to take someone else's life and to play God, uh, which you have no business doing at all, I don't think uh, anyone should be lenient on you. I think I agree minimum 25 to life without the possibility of parole um, would be a sufficient, um, you know, a sufficient uh sentence for this case the fact that he could get out in 20 years making him 48 when he gets out that's still enough time to have a life and i understand that's kind of where the judge was coming from in sentencing him this way because he did believe you know he's a young man with no prior offenses that were recorded um i want to make that known that were recorded because it sounds like this was a volatile man um who needs a lot a lot a lot of counseling a lot a lot a lot of something and he took away a family he broke a family apart he took away a mother and her child, he took away um, her unborn child, he took away a daughter, he took away a friend, he took away an aspiring flight attendant, he took away an aspiring model, he took away someone's future. And when you take a life that recklessly and in that, in such a vile manner, I don't believe the world should be lenient on you. I don't believe you should have all these chances. I don't care how young you are. Well, I guess I do kind of care how young you are, but 28, he's not fucking 18 years old. He's 28. You know better. You know right from wrong when you're 28. You're almost 30. You're a grown-ass man. You're telling me that he has time to turn it around? Like, what What does that even mean? So I don't believe in eye for an eye was met. I do think he should have had more time. Absolutely don't think he should have gotten the minimum. Um, that would have been ridiculous, him getting out at 38. Uh-uh, that's absolutely ridiculous. But, I mean... I'm hoping that when his parole uh, hearing comes up in 30 years or 20 years that they they throw the books at him. I can't see someone like this being rehabilitated um, that easily, if at all. Uh, you know, who's to say that there's not a trigger that, you know, a next girlfriend would set off in him and him do the same thing all over again. He doesn't seem like he's good with rejection. So, you know, God forbid a girl break up with him, a woman break up with him. He flips the handle again. Uh, right. So I don't, I don't trust people like this to walk around in society and be productive, especially when they let, uh, when they take it to that level. So no, I do not believe the punishment fits the crime in this case. So that is, that is this case. And like I said, guys, um, you know, please rate, review, and subscribe if you want to become part of our Patreon family. Please check out the link in our bio. Um, you know, we have a lot of cool perks when you become uh, a patron of our show. We appreciate all the support. Eventually, I'd love to outsource someone to help me write these episodes and Matt to help like me and Matt to write these episodes because it gets time consuming and I have a full-time job. So mm -hmm. any little bit helps. Uh, we hope you, we hope the show made you think and I really hope that you guys um, do comment on our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram post regarding this case with a thumbs up or thumbs down. Have you heard of this case? Thumbs up. If you haven't heard of this case before, thumbs down. And then another case next to that that you have gone out of your way to find that you have not heard of before. Um, that has been underrepresented in the media. That has not been reported on all that much. I'd love to hear it from you. I found a lot actually through searching this case. So I'm sure you guys will find a lot as well. We'd love to hear from you. 
Um, thank you again to everybody who's listening. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your fans. Let us know what cases you want to hear. Let us know, um, you know, whether you think the punishment for the crime. Did Thedo get uh, the punishment that he deserved? Should he have gotten, what, the death penalty? Should he have, you know, what do you guys feel? Um, do you think 30 years is an appropriate sentence for a young, uh, younger adult, I guess? Uh, I think it was just a fucking adult, but, uh, you know, a man that the judge feels has potential. I don't know how the judge felt that, but, you know, what do you guys feel? Let us know. And with that, we bid you adieu. We out. We out. Convicted murderer and rapist Tato Kutumele was sentenced to 20 years in prison at the Pretoria High Court on Friday by acting judge Johan Kruger. On count one, murder, was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Two, on count two, rape, was sentenced to 10 years in prison. Three, on count three, theft, was sentenced to six months in prison. Four, the sentences imposed, imposed regarding counts two and three or run concurrently with the sentence imposed on count one. Applause broke out in a public gallery after sentencing was read out by Kruger. We feel that the sentence is fair. We feel that uh, a monster has been removed from society and that um, he will be away for a long time. And we do hope that um, one day he'll reach out to us and say, I am sorry.